guys. Before we dive into today's episode of the Trail Trash Podcast, just wanted to give you a quick little reminder about three of the discount codes that we have going for you guys right now. The first one is Trail Trash, T-R-A-I-L-T-R-A-S-H. That one is good for 20% off your first purchase at Swiftwick and Scratch. Uh, the other one we have is with Squirrel's Nut Butter. That one is Trail Lube, one word, all caps, T-R-A-I-L-L-U-B-E. Also good for 20% off. That one is good for any purchase. does not have to be your first one. Also wanted to remind you guys to, if you haven't already, please, 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 it does make a huge difference in the algorithm world. If you like and subscribe to our podcast, if you have not done so already, we would greatly, greatly appreciate it. And please feel free to find us on any social media. We're on Facebook, X, formerly known as Twitter, and Instagram. So please feel free to find us on those social media platforms. Connect with us because we would love to connect with you guys just to help deepen our relationship with you guys as our listeners. Now, with all that being said, let's meet up with the boys at the Trailhead and dive into today's episode of the Trail Trash Podcast. This is the Trail Trash Podcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Garrett and John here. Jason is off for the next couple weeks. He's probably somewhere over an ocean right about now i think if i had to guess on about which way he's going he's heading over to japan for a couple weeks so uh we'll let him enjoy that and uh see if we can keep the keep the train on the tracks for a couple weeks so we're gonna go ahead and dive right in john just literally just finished what less than 12 hours or what are you less than 12 hours ago or so um like rim to ridge to river to back to rim down to the ridge um um however many ways jason can mispronounce the rim right yeah jason's not here so you can actually use the correct name tonight it's the rim to river 100 the rim to river 100 um which is your fourth time doing this race right that is correct third finish Correct. Yeah. And you you got a cool little I don't want to say plaque, but display, right? Yeah, I've got it over here. It's yeah, it's kind of like a cool little trophy type deal. I don't know. Uh I don't know what this blurry thing is doing. Uh yeah, I don't know if this is gonna work. That's all right. Almost, but yeah, I mean it's it's pretty cool because it's got like a little display of like the riverboard bridge over it and it's got a place where you can put three buckles for your three finishes so only people who finished it three times get that then i'm assuming that is correct got it got it so let's just go ahead and dive right in so this is obviously a favorite race of yours you've gone back four years in a row you've been there every year they've had any had the race um obviously it's special so let's just dive right in so is this an early start or like a, it's not a 4 a.m. like hellbender. No, it's not that early. It's a 6 a.m. start race. Well, that's not too bad. 33 hours? 
Um, yeah, the total cutoff would be 32. Okay. Okay. So what's the appeal to this race? Like you keep going back. Obviously it's good. I mean, <laughs> and you, you, uh, you have a 75% finish rate. So it's a, a higher percentage rate of all your races, but what, what's the big draw to this race? Yeah, man. I mean, it's definitely one of my favorite races and, you know, we've talked about it a lot. Um, it's my first hundred mile finish. Uh, it's a beautiful course and, Bryant, the uh, race director, has just done a really fantastic job of doing this race up, um, especially from was and blind here. Um, and yeah, is really just thinking about that a lot. The start of this race, like anyone you know, the wave start, um, there's a fifteen people. Mystery, you know, wasn't that year, and there were probably, I don't know, probably like a hundred people uh, spectating, you know, lining up and down the chute to cheer us out. So, I mean, it's it's really grown into something beautiful. That's pretty cool. That's that's pretty cool. So, so how many aid stations are along this race? Uh, it's a total of twelve, and it's an out and back, correct? Um, it is largely out and back, not like 100% out and back. Like you don't exactly, but you do repeat a good portion of it. Got it. Got it. So take us through, how are you feeling? Cause you're, you're five weeks out of another hundred miler. And so you can't really lose <laughs> a ton of fitness, but you can do enough that, that you're going to set yourself back. So we kind of talked about in a couple episodes back kind of what you were doing to kind of just maintain some of that fitness, but also stay rested and recovered for this upcoming race. So how are you feeling race morning? And race morning, you know, I felt great. You know, I was definitely motivated. Um, and that's what I say, you know, when I go to the start of a 100 mile or, you know, I just, more than anything, I want to get there first and foremost, you know, just healthy. So, you know, no injury and um, in good shape and uh, hat and, you know, motivated as well. Because mm -hmm. if you're not motivated, I mean, you're not going to have a good chance of finishing a hundred dollars. Right, right. I mean, and, and it's not just one of those, like, your motivation can't be something as simple as I just want to do it. Like you've got to have some sort of deeper tie, deeper connection, something that when the shit gets real, something that you can pull back on and, and, and set yourself up for success, I guess, through those dark times, like two to 4 AM. So yeah, that's, that's always the, the Achilles heel of all my long hundred milers and all those things is that middle of the night portion. So, all right. Yeah, so race starts, go ahead. Oh, uh, yeah, as I say, I think that's everyone's just tough time, that 1 to 5 a.m. hour. Yeah. Maybe yeah. The, you know, casual runners, you know, the uh, elite crowd probably doesn't get that experience as much. Right. <laughs> well, I guess they do at UTMB, right? Because that's an overnight start. Yeah. Or they, it's like a 6 p.m. start or something in it, right? Yeah. 6 p.m. Yeah. Yeah, so you get that that kind of, but you're not tired, so I guess it's different. Like you see the sunrise, which is cool, but you're not it's really not like, tired like you are at like a six a.m. start. Yeah, it's like not like seeing the sunrise for like the second time over a race, right? A real 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you've got your, you've got your motivation set. The race starts and you're, you're going now you had text us earlier in the week that you had a little more of an aggressive race plan for this race, right? Were you shooting for sub 24 on this guy? I was definitely not shooting for sub 24. <laughs> like, <laughs> this, this is not as easy. Um, yeah. This is not as flat as Yeti. Yeah. Like I knew sub 24 was well out of the question. Um, unless I was just having a, just an unforeseen, just phenomenal day. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, if I got to do sub 24 at Yeti, I wasn't going to do it here, at least, at least this time around. Um, yeah, the course is a lot more challenging. It's a lot more technical. I mean, the elevation gain over it was around, like, just over 11, between 11 and 12. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, no, no 24. Uh, attempt. Um, that being said, um, you know, I did type out like a it's like pacing plan. Um, I feel like there's value added there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So you, now at Yeti, we weren't necessarily your crew. We were there as often as we could be. We kind of touched on that, tried to be there as often as we could be. How different is it? when you know there's no one there at three in the morning versus the potential that someone could be there and I get to see a friendly face, I get to see a smile, like I get to see something that I appreciate is there that's not an aid station volunteer. So how did you tackle that knowing that you were going to be by yourself? (laughs) Well, I mean, you know me, the introverted career fact. You are no definitely problem. not the introvert out of the three of us. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no problem being out like you know alone for like long periods of time, but it's definitely it's definitely a, a mental challenge not to um, you know see like you know one of you guys out there, um, especially or even like on this course. There's like a lot of a, a significant portion of the course that's outside of cell service, so it's like I can't even you know, message you guys or anything, or you can't talk crap to me or anything like right. that. Yeah, we can't um, tell you to get the stick out your ass and keep moving. So. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely, it's definitely a more, um, uh, what's the word? It's definitely a little bit more lonely. <laughs> right. Now, is that why, because of how remote it is, is that why there was no tracking? Because I looked, Jason looked, we could not find anything about tracking. Is there just no tracking for this race? Uh, so they tried it out last year. They had like the same type of devices like we had at the Yeti, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about that though is like you know it's still like an emerging an emerging technology. It's not perfect, um, especially like on a course like this where you're just in and out of the gorge so much, um, and, and it's also expensive still. Um, like sure. I think the RD uh, asked recently if. Just just to get like, you know, like a show of hands, like in the uh, Facebook group for this race, how many people would be willing to pay roughly like $75 on top of what the registration fee is already just for the live tracking. Um, and, where, and where we're at with that technology right now, my, my vote would be no. Like, I mean, it's definitely like a cool thing, especially for like, 
some of you guys to follow along or like, you know, my mom at home just to kind of like have an idea of how things are going. But yeah, I wouldn't want another like, you know, $75 on top of a no, no, well, because hundreds aren't cheap. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and we'll shoot and they're getting more and more expensive, which is for another episode. I don't think it's all bad because the funds can be used for things like live tracking. Yeah. Um, yeah it really depends on like what it's for. And like if I was going to have to pay like, you know, that much more in a race fee, I would rather, I, I personally would rather have that directed to something cooler that I think could enhance the experience better. Better swag bag, you know, like, you know, where the, where the, or, or what other organization it might be supporting. Yeah. Like take the 75 bucks and give it to trail sisters or something like that. So, uh, would be, would be pretty cool. So, um, but yeah, so, so we didn't really know kind of where you were along all this, which is fine. Um, there was no, if I'm being honest, there was no doubt that I knew that you would get this done. It was a matter of how quick you'd get it done and the shape in which you would finish, which (laughs) is not, (laughs) what kind of shape are you in right now? How are things feeling? So if I compare this to release, like, you know, see Eddie five weeks ago, you know how every time you saw me, you asked how I was feeling, and I said something like, oh, it feels like I've run like 60 or 70 miles. And you'd be like, well, it doesn't look like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one was kind of like more the, <laughs> on the opposite side of that. Like, I wasn't just bad and just really rough shape, but it was a whole lot more challenging to get that finish than it was at like the Yeti. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, like if you were to ask me when I knew that I was going to get that finish, it was probably as soon as I crossed that start line. Like there is never any doubt in my head that I was going to get that finish. When you cross that finish, when you cross that start line, you have to have that I'm going to get this done mentality. And it's just part of the thing that it's part of your motivation, right? Um, but so did you ever have a down and out spot or a I real had a lot of a lot of rough spots? Uh, man, it was this for a variety of reasons. Um this was not one of my better executed races. Um and you know, some of that's on me, that's fine. But there is definitely some other challenges in there, like the fatigue I got during this race, just like from like sleep deprivation was a real problem. Um, I didn't sleep in any hobo camps this time though, but <laughs> you I didn't, you didn't cuddle some homeless yetis. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, uh, maybe, maybe some like, you know, coal mining ghosts, but, uh, Hey, that's all right. No. There, there's definitely like, you know, some spots, especially like overnight and into the early morning hours where I was starting to like doze off a little bit while I was moving and, Started seeing that, some weird things. And that's a scary thing. Like when you catch yourself kind of dozing off while you're moving, that's yeah. Grab a grab three or four Celsius and just try to get your caffeine intake up, I guess, and uh hope it works out. So do you think any of that sleep deprivation, how how recovered do you think you were on such I don't want to say close because there are definitely closer instances of people running hundred miles back to back, but five weeks is not a lot of 
not a lot of recovery time. How recovered do you feel you were going into this? That's a good question. And I don't know if I have like just an exact answer. Um, Cause like, you know, physically I felt mostly okay, but you know, one thing I've really realized, um, especially trying to like run the things like this, like, you know, close together. Um, but, and, and by the way, you know, I haven't ever run more, more than one 100 in a single year. So like running to, or at least finished more than one in a single year. So running two close, this close together, five weeks apart, that was a challenge. And, you know, that was something that I said, you know, I don't, I don't know if I can, but let's give it a shot. Right. Um, hey, you don't know if you don't try. Right. Yeah. I think Smash Mouse said something like that. <laughs> <laughs> RIP. <laughs> but I mean, that's part of the, like, the appeal of ultra running. It's like, taking on challenges that sometimes you don't know if you can do it. Um, right. You know, part of the appeal is not knowing whether or not you'll finish, but. Well, and, I, and, and I've seen so many, so many people lately, and I don't know if it's just because that's the way the algorithm algorithm is for my social media right now, but I'm seeing a lot of people who are saying, you know, I'm done. I DNF'd. I'm a failure. I don't ever want to do this again. In, in my, 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 I really want to say something and I'm being good. I'm keeping my tongue and I'm not saying anything. I'm just going to keep scrolling, but I really want to say, well, if you knew that you had a 100% chance, then why would he, why would you even try? Like you're not stepping out of your comfort zone. You're like, and I don't mean to demean anyone when I say a, like a 5k is just a 5k. There are some people and props to anyone who even attempts a 5k because most people just, I'll be honest, most people don't. But if you're, used to doing these hundred milers and then all of a sudden you drop, like what's the point in not pushing yourself? What's the point in not trying? Like if you want to get the best of yourself, you've got to step out. And so when I say like, I'm not knocking five K's, like anyone can go and do that, but only a select stupid few <laughs> in the general population are going to try running a hundred miles. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think for me, like ultra running and something like this, it's kind of about, kind of about, you know, finding that point where you feel like you can't do any more, but then finding some way to do more. Like you get to that point where you just feel like you've reached your limit, but then finding a place to like surpass that. Um, but to get back like onto the recovery thing, I feel like, you know, one thing I really uh, discovered in doing like, you know, these two events close together is that, you know, you have the physical recovery, right? But then these things are also just super draining mentally and emotionally as well. And so like, like that's a big component of it too. And if I'm honest with myself, that's probably like one reason I just didn't execute this race quite as well as Yeti probably wasn't as polished as I was so like drained from like Yeti I didn't I guess like mentally rehearse like this race as well um and you know that may sound like a little nerdy or whatever but I feel like it is really beneficial to like walk through these things like in your mind um, a little bit like you know just kind of go through the course and break down what you're going to the plan for the aid station and 
what happens if you know your ankle just starts acting up and it hurts to run downhill and it hurts to run on the flats and it feels okay to you know go uh on the climbs but it still kind of hurts and so you have mm-hmm. to like make a makeshift compression wrap out of like a buff in your Solomon quick waste system <laughs> <laughs> uh, which did happen at one point today that was kind of interesting and i have a huge bruise on top of my ankle but yeah what do you think that's from so i don't i don't know i had someone i was speaking to today who called it lace slash and that makes that would make sense because um i did have like a portion of this race where i noticed that i did have like my laces too tight on that foot um i was wearing the solomon pulsar trail pros um, they have that Solomon quick lace system in it. And yeah, it was just a little bit too tight in there for comfort. And so I loosened that up and that felt fine. But then around like, you know, 70 miles in is when I started kind of like that started the ankle started kind of becoming an issue, but it's kind of now, like loosened you, up now. So. Did you take a change of shoes or were you, were you ride or dying on this one the whole way through? No, I did not take a change of shoes. I did not put one in my drop bag. Uh, <laughs> I've never actually changed shoes during a 100 and I don't know, I probably should have thought about it at least, but I didn't like, I know, I know I'm walking a fine line here. Like I know you're supposed to take all all the gear and stuff that you could possibly need to put yourself like in a good position to finish, but also for me, if I can't fit it in one of these two and a half gallon size Ziploc bags, then I have too much stuff in my drop bag. And that's just me. That's personal preference. Um, well, there's it, also the, the logistics of all that. Like if you don't have crew, you you cannot take as much. I would, it, yeah, it, and so I'm, I'm kind of in the same like the requirement, like the guidelines that the, that the races have, like drop bag size and stuff. Some of them do, some of them don't. Mm-hmm. But like, I really just don't want to pull into there with like, you know, like a, like a 20 liter backpack, just full of stuff I'll never use that. Right. Well, cause I, then I, you gotta, then you gotta I worry about finding it after the race and no one wants to go <laughs> pick up their drop bags. Too. And yeah. also just for me, I just don't want to like get to like an aid station at whatever point and just have to like dig through all that stuff and just have like more, more decisions to make. Sure. So sometimes less, like like, like I like to keep it simple. Yeah. Sometimes less is a whole lot easier and sometimes less is more because it allows you more time out there than making decisions that you may not even necessarily need to be making, but you do put yourself in that chance to overcomplicate things. If you have three different pairs of shoes, you can certainly overcomplicate that. Yeah, and I mean, and I mean, there is a flip side of that too. Like, you know, maybe a shoe change would have helped. Maybe a wind. I don't know, but uh, well, the, water into the bridge now. Um, right. I don't know what shoe I would have changed into. Um, so I had the Solomon's I was wearing. I mean, maybe, maybe I could have taken the Trail Pegasuses. Like, I didn't wear those uh, like I did at the Yeti, just because. This trail is a bit more rugged, and I felt like the Solomons would be able to handle that a little bit better. Sure. Um, I've been using those to ride a lot up in the uh, Smokies recently, and they seem to do well there. Um, but yeah, I'd never taken them out for more than like, I don't know, four and a half, five hours. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they, they felt fine, man. 
Um, well, and the, and the downside mean, to the maybe I could have taken like a Hoka, but I haven't worn those in like months now, so I feel like that would have been really like playing with playing with yeah. fire a little bit. Yeah, that's probably not the wisest thing to do. But the the downside that I and I love Solomon's Quick Lace, especially at three in the morning when you get a rock or something in your shoe, it's so much easier to fix that than to try to untie and retie shoes. Like I hate. And so I love the Solomon quick lace. The thing I don't like about it is you don't give yourself the opportunity to relace your shoes, which, which I've had to do on, um, which hokas do I run the, the most in, um, the Evo Mafates, um, now, the fours are different than the threes. The threes I had, I don't like how thin the tongue is on the three. That's for another conversation. But when you have a shoelace and you've got pressure points on the top of your feet, you're getting bruises like what you have. You can yeah. you can take some time at an aid station, kind of relace, kind of finagle the shoelaces a little bit so there's less pressure, but it still stays on. With the quick lace, you don't have that opportunity. It's tight or loose or... And it's in the, and the laces go where the laces go and they don't move. <laughs> I don't know. I think you can play with them a little bit, but that's just my experience. And and maybe you can. I don't know. I mean, I just know that the the quick laces that come with the shoe now they do make the ten second lace. It's another brand. It's the same thing. And I'm sure that that one you could, but you know, I don't. I, I also just don't care too much to sit there and relace my shoes if I don't have to. It's kind of like you know how, and and I give. I'm going to knock on roadrunners, but you know how marathoners like they'll tie their shoe one time and they never untie it. <laughs> like that does not happen in our sport <laughs> in trail and ultra scene. I've, I've yet to see someone run the like run every run with shoes that are tied the same from the minute they put them on. But I understand if it's if it's comfortable and functional and it works and it gives you no problems why untie it and risk it? So I, I I understand where they're coming from, but I do think it's very weird that road runners <laughs> yeah. will never untie their shoes sometimes. Yeah. Now the one knock I do have against that quick lace system um, is I've never found it. I've never found out like a good way to like tuck in like the extra laces. Like, I know some people like roll it up and put it in the shoe garage, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, usually I'll just tuck them in like under like the, um, some of the laces, Mm-hmm. And this race, I probably had about a dozen times in which I got my trekking poles caught in them. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. So in some shoes, <laughs> yeah, some shoes that Solomon makes, the lace garage is much better than other ones. Like the speed cross, the lace garage comes up high enough that you can actually tuck them in. Now, in my, um, I think you and I have this the same ones, the sense rides. You have the sense rides, right? Yeah, I have a few pairs of sense rides. Yeah, the sense ride, the one I have, the the lace garage is actually below the top lace, so you can't actually tuck it in, and it's super annoying. So I, yeah, so I, I do the same thing on my sense rides. I'll tuck them into the bottom laces and hope that they stay in. Um, I've yet to have my trekking pole get stuck on one. Uh, that's certainly that sucks. <laughs> All right, so take us through the overnight because it's typically when, especially when you're alone, that's when most of us have the the I'm done 
thought process. Did you have any time where you sat there at an aid station and said, you know what? I've already got my hundred mile finish for the year. I finished this race two times. Like it's okay. Did you ever have that conversation with yourself where you were at that point, essentially trying to give yourself a, an excuse and a reason to drop? No, I never really got to that point. I definitely had to take a little bit of time at like aid stations. Um, especially at probably about the 50 mile aid station and going on um, just to sit down for a minute and get off my feet because I mean my feet were getting sounds that ankle thing too my feet were just getting a little bit raw and you know maybe I really should have like considered like a shoe with a little bit more cushioning but I mean we already talked a little bit shoe about shoe twice now mm-hmm. um, but yeah I definitely had to sit there a little bit and just get off my feet and make sure I got some like actual food in me and gave it a minute to like digest and get down. Um, How are the aid stations here? Are are they pretty well stocked aid stations? And, and and, they're fantastic. In sidebar conversation, how different are the aid stations in year four from year one? Because you've seen the progression of this race every year it's been run. (laughs) So has yeah. it grown exponentially like some of these hundreds can or or how has it not grown, I guess? What's the difference between year one aid stations and year four aid stations? Are they significantly better or are they the same? Well, I mean, the aid stations in year one were good uh, for sure. Um, the biggest difference between year one was year one was like 2020. So in the midst well. of... COVID, we had all those like restrictions and stuff so it's different in that regard but sure um, yeah some of these aid stations you know where people have been here for like four years they've definitely taken some liberties to you know go all out and exceed the minimum um aid station fare that you know the race has put out there that's fun oh, that's too. Cool. Like yeah. you, you get the same group of people that come back and I don't want to say sponsor an aid station, but they kind of sponsor an aid station. Um, and it's cool. Yeah, like, Cause it's people, I really hope that, and I, I mean, I, 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 I don't know, but you know, if I had a race like that, I would definitely recognize those people that, you know, come year after year, just like, you know, I got the three time finisher uh, award over here. I'd love, I'd love to see something like that for volunteers who do that too. That would be fun if you get a you know you get a volunteer who does a certain number of I don't want to say service hours but if you could recognize them in in some way, um, like you uh, captain an aid station for all four years, I, I'd be recognizing you you know like a, a pre race meeting or whatever. Heck yeah, heck yeah, you get a special plaque, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and and for the fact of the matter is these races couldn't be done without people stepping up and doing that. So it's really cool when you see the evolution of an aid station because the same people keep coming back and they take the feedback from runners and they adapt it and be like, cool, we had 700 people. That's obviously not going to happen, but we had a large number of people say, oh my God, pizza sounds so good right now. And the next year they've got pizzas that are made or something along those lines um, that it's just cool to see. Uh, it, but especially when you know, some of those people aren't like runners and they don't have anyone like, 
necessarily like in the running community they just happen to be around and get involved so yeah yeah and like and on the creeper trail you've got so many places where that runs through you know like through farmland that people own and like along all these houses and it's cool when yeah when an aid station um, is someone's driveway that's pretty cool yeah like um over in north carolina there was a race um i ran twice and volunteered once called the nutcracker and it was like a it was a fixed time event on like uh like a rails trail like a five mile rails trail and um the year i volunteered there were two people there had no connections to running they just lived on a at a on a house that the course ran by and so one year they were like what are, what are all these people out here doing and then so <laughs> next year they're out there working at that tent and learning all about the w- wonderful world of ultra running <laughs> that's pretty cool because you never know maybe that inspires them to to change their own journey in some way which is is really cool so um Okay, so what was your what was your actual final finish time? I don't think I ever. It was just under thirty one hours. Like I think it was like thirty fifty five. So finished right before golden hour, which is kind of cool. Golden hour is a very special time, and for those who don't know, I'm pretty sure anyone who listens to our show knows what the golden hour is. But the golden hour is the final hour of the race, and that is the most magical time. Of the entire race. Sure, it's cool yeah. seeing the the winners finish, but look, if you're running 100 miles and it's taking you 18 hours, props to you, take your flowers, that's awesome, but I would much rather see the back of the packer with the ultra lean coming across the finish line. To me, that's just, it's a gutty performance, not taking away anyone from anything from anyone who can run 18 hours. That will never be any of us. Um, never to amaze me i can't relate to it though <laughs> right yeah but but the back of the pack the mom the single mom of three kids working two jobs who somehow finds time to train like that is that to me is such an inspiration and there's so much yeah. emotion in that golden hour finish so if you've or never or been to it is that 18 hour runner and they just had a rough go at it but hey they hung they, on and they took yep. it to the finish man um, yeah that's the issue of people yeah you, yeah there's yeah there's so much cool cool things see so much cool people there at, in, in that hour yeah yeah now and, and even this race too is cool because you know since i did finish so close to it um i kind of got to see you know that's that unfold a little bit uh before i left and it yeah. was like just like an awesome crowd out there cheering everyone coming in and it's cool to see some of those runners coming in during that time period too, because I'd seen some of them out there and talked mm-hmm. to some of them and, you know, kind of knew kind of what they were going through. So just to see them out there and see that they hung on and that they, and they got that finish was just so awesome. Yeah. Now, one of my favorite things that I've seen, um, I'd love to say friend of the show, but she probably has no idea who we are. Casey Licktie. And one year at Western States, well, and Rob Carr's done this too. And when you see the people who finish in the sub 24 hour or the sub 20, however long, however quick they can get it done, right? They're still there at the end. And I believe it was Rob Carr at States one year after he won, went out and ran with someone like the last five miles. Yeah. And like, I man, think about that year that, um, uh, Goonhild Swanson finished with like seconds to spare. He was like at that. Uh, like at that, um, uh, what's that point, Paul? Where it's like a mile to go, 
and you step out onto the road and Auburn. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Um, he, he that that's where he was, and like he ran around, yeah. like he was like wearing flip flops and stuff, and he yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's so cool. Like, and I it, that's just one of the things that really draws me to keep trying this sport. You know, is the community and the sense of we're all in this together. You just don't see that in many other sports, um, and I liked that because in my collegiate days, um, as the, as the, as one of the team captains, I was never the fastest on our team. I was kind of more or less built for built for muscle. And the joke was, if you went down one side of the field, you were dealing with the fastest player in conference. If you were dealing on, if you were coming down my side of the field, one of us was leaving with bruises and it wasn't going to be me. So, but it was one of those things like, because I was never the fastest, I always wanted to make sure that the people behind me knew that they were still part of everyone else. So, we'd get done with our distance run and I'd go back and just find the very last person and be like, Hey, come on, we're a team. We all finish this together. So I think that's one of the things that I really like to still see is when you have the people who are done cheering on the people who are still out there, whether they hang out at the finish line, whether they go help in an aid station, whether like Rob and Casey and go out and run the last couple bits with a runner. It's it. That's that. That's just really cool. Yeah, it speaks a lot about the character and then also just the, you know, ultra and trail running community. Mm-hmm. So 30 hours, 10 minutes away from golden hour. You got to see all the fun stuff. Everything's settled kind of a little bit. I mean, <laughs> what time of day? Because it's what time of day is that finish? You're six o'clock, 24 hours be six, another six. So you're right around noon, one o'clock, right? Something like that. I have, I have honestly have no idea. <laughs> After being <laughs> up for over 24 hours, uh, right. going through like a time change, and they, I, God, I, I, I don't know. I don't even know what time it is right now. Right. <laughs> I just Dude. know that my phone said 5 30 and it was dark outside. And that made me sad. <laughs> Dude, I went grocery shopping today at like four o'clock and I got done, and it's already dark when I came out, and I just get depressed already. It's that time of year where you go to work and it's dark and you come home from work and it's dark and it's never fun. So thankfully I have a window seat in my office so I can at least see the sun and get my vitamin D that way. But um, yeah, so now that everything's settled, how are you feeling? Like, are you actually finally going to take some time off and just say, I'm <laughs> you going to pull a Forrest Gump and just say, you think you're tired and you're going to go home now? Yeah. I mean, I definitely like, you don't need to um, just, you know, It'll, it'll probably be at least, you know, two weeks or so before I try to run anything again. And I'm, you know, not really in a rush to do so at this moment. I've definitely gotten my feel for a while. Uh, as some would say, maybe, you, you've earned it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe I'll go run like a turkey trot or something for fun. But uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> we'll see right. what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, so how are... Uh, the dogs are in trouble. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, so, so what's next? I mean, you've done two hundreds now in, in pretty quick succession. Is this something that you would do again? Or were you going to look back and say, that was pretty stupid. I don't know what I was thinking. I need more time. Or do you take the polar opposite and say, you know what? I did, I did two hundreds on five weeks. Can I do it in a month? <laughs> 
And next thing we know, you've got States, Hard Rock, and UTMB. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's an interesting challenge for sure. And, I, you know, I'm glad I did it. I don't know if it's something that I'm really just wanting to do again. Um, like I said, man, it just takes so much out of you. Um, just, well, you know, physically and mentally and emotionally. So let me ask it this way. I can only imagine what it would be like if I had, if they were like races where you had to like, you know, travel on top of that. Like, you know, like these um, grand slammers, man, I, God, I don't know how anyone does that. That is just overwhelming to me. If I were going to do like two and like, you know, close proximity to each other, it'd have to be, it'd have to be the right races. It'd have to be two that I'd be interested in and just really motivated to do. Um, right like like it's not something i would do just for the challenge of doing like you know two back-to-back hundreds it it would have to be a race that races that 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 interests me and that i could get inspired by does this prepare you for the dream challenge that is brutes does this fuel that furnace a little bit for you and say you know what hey i did this in this close I can easily squeeze these 500 miles or shorter runs in a calendar year. <laughs> Did that thought ever cross your mind? Because I, mean, I know Brutes. I know Brutes is like a dream goal for you. That, that's that's definitely something that's been on the on the back burner for a while. That's definitely something I'm interested in. Um, I actually had a friend reach out to me about it, doing it, uh, doing that challenge, and. 2024 but again it's it's too early to really think about that right now i just need to kind of i'm just trying to i'm just trying to get you into something i'm trying to get you to commit to something (laughs) when you're not ready to commit to anything (laughs) so so the only thing i'm committed to right now um well well, i'm signed up for the snowball 12 hour at the end of january but uh the big the next big goal race is is hellbender in 2024 uh, that redemption tour first weekend of may yeah the the, the hellbender rematch hopefully weather's a little bit more favorable this time but can't control the weather so there's a difference between starting a race in the in the nice and pleasant weather and starting a race in a downpour it's it doesn't get much better when you're when you start in a downpour and run the first 40 miles in a downpour with hail yeah, that didn't it didn't bother me until you know we got to the or I got to the top of Mount Mitchell, and then that third round of thunderstorms just started dumping all that rain and the hail on it, and yeah. um, then I had to go down like the Black Mountain Crest Trail, which is challenging fair weather. Um, it was forty to fifty mile per hour wind gusts. That was an experience. Well, it's not one that I'm wanting to repeat. Uh, <laughs> right. What was the DNF rate that year? Do you know? Oh, God, man. I mean, it had man. to be high. It, it had to be. Like, I imagine that race has a pretty high that, DNF already. But Right. It was like, that's a hard race to begin with. But when you add in the elements that you had to deal with, you might have just chalked me up for a DNS, not even a DNF. Like, I ain't even showing up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but all right, man. So I know you're tired. Let's go ahead and wrap it up. In closing, how you feeling other than accomplished? Your feet look pretty gnarly. 
how much ice cream are you how much ice cream are you eating tonight haven't had any ice cream yet but i mean there's definitely i'll I'll definitely have something tomorrow for sure i'll have a couple milkshakes or something you've earned them my friend i was looking at the uh, restaurants here and surprisingly the one that stuck out was like this asian fusion place so i had some chinese and then a couple rolls of sushi they had a crab rangoon sushi roll that was delicious. That sounds really good. I like sushi rolls and I like crab rangoon. You put them together, I'm guaranteed to like it. So, not not something you'd really expect to find in the middle of Fayetteville, West Virginia. But hey, man, it was good. <laughs> well, it's like in no business this year. They had a food truck and someone working out of the kitchen. And I told the lady she was making Asian food in the kitchen, like pot stickers, egg rolls, egg noodles, all those things, right? And I told her, she, she gave me an egg roll. I said, oh, I figured out what your secret ingredient is. She goes, what's that? I said, it's love because this is one of the best egg rolls I've ever tasted. It was so good. And I don't, you know, like, it's so funny. You find these little hole in the wall. And I can't remember the name of this place. It was like Little Amy's Asian Kitchen or something like that. And it's just like, but you taste the love in these places, man. These little dive, these little dive places. So, all right, man. I mean, if you're looking for like a dive place here in Fayetteville, uh, the place to go is Pies and Pints. Cannot recommend that enough. It's uh, like a pizza place. They have some beers and stuff on tap. But, man, I tell you what I got there that was really good was they had a, uh, we call it a pizza skins, but it's a version of potato skins where they put, like, the potatoes on a pizza crust and then all the toppings on top of that. It, it was it was good. I would. That good. sounds like a very good Super Bowl food. That, that, that'd be a good, like, ultra food. Um, yep. Like, like pierogies have been uh, ascending my list of eight station foods, but man, something like that would be really good too. Yeah. Yeah. No. All right, man. I'm going to go ahead and let you go, let you kick your feet up, let you get some of that ankle swelling down. Your Achilles okay? Yeah. I mean, it's a little, it's a little sore. It's not as bad as it was at Yeti, yet but it's, oh. it's a hair swollen. But, you know, after you get some, night's sleep i'm sure everything will start to level off a little bit um just been trying to drink a lot of water get rehydrated get some calories in me that aren't like sugar based and you know so we're getting there good deal good deal well i'm proud of you you're an inspiration to us i don't say that lightheartedly like the fact that you went out and did 200 miles sorry 200 milers on (laughs) such short time between them like that is a major accomplishment that you finished both that you even tried like if you hadn't finished i'd still be proud of you i'm not i'm not gonna lie so um take your flowers man you've earned them we're all so proud of you seriously it's a monumental effort doing 200s in a year and you and you you picked two good ones so so uh yeah we'll go ahead and let you go let you kick your feet up um one last thing I do want to say, um, we did open up a Facebook group. So we are just the Trail Trash Podcast on Facebook. You can find us there, open community. It's just a page. Just go ahead and like it, follow it. We do put a little more social media out there. We're trying to really grow for you guys and give you guys a little more opportunities. Um, also, I know that we have the three deals uh, with Scratch, Swiftwick, and Squirrels Nut Butter. The Swiftwick promo code has changed. It managed to find its way to a discount site. So it is now just Trail Trash instead of Trail Trash 20. 
So it's just Trail Trash at Swiftwick. All the other ones right now are still the same. So go ahead, support those guys because they're supporting us. Uh, and we, we thank you for using those guys. Um, do we have that uh, listed on our Facebook page currently? No, but I, I, I'll put it up. So I'll, I'll make sure it's up there. So, and, and then I'll drop appropriate links to those as well. So, all right, guys, that does it for us. Garrett and John here. Jason, if you're listening, eat some real sushi for us. <laughs> have a good, have a good night, guys, and we will catch you guys on the next episode. Take care. Yeah.